Chapter 18 of the Pony Rider Boys in Louisiana. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mark Michelson. The Pony Rider Boys in Louisiana by Frank G. Patchen. Chapter 18 A Stand in Grim Earnest. Freed from the restraint, Stacy's horse darted into the brake. There were now two horseless boys. It was Tad to the rescue, firing, kicking, slashing with the bush knife. Two of the bear hounds leaped into the rescue work with him. Are you hurt? cried Tad. I I don't know, replied Stacy, breathing hard. Get up and fight, or we're goners. Oh, I'll fight. Instead of being frightened, the fat boy's face was flushed with anger when he got to his feet. In the fall he had lost his rifle and his revolver. With a yell, Chunky launched a vicious kick at an open, snarling mouth just before him, kicking a mouthful of teeth down the beast's throat. Tad snatched up the lost rifle and began to shoot into the pack until the magazine of the weapon had been emptied. He then clubbed the rifle and began whacking the heads of the wolves. Stacy recovered his revolver and resumed shooting, narrowly missing putting a bullet through his companion's body. As it was, a bullet tore a rent in Butler's shirt at the side. "'Look out there!' he warned, without even glancing towards Chunky, keeping his eyes on the force ahead of him and beside him. The dogs, taking fresh courage from the boys' defense of them, took up their battle with renewed vigor. Blood was dripping from the mouth of every one of them. Some had rents torn in their sides. Others were limping about on two legs, here and there fastening their fangs on a gray side or a gray leg, as the case might be. Stacy, having emptied his revolver, snatched up the limb of a tree, so heavy that he could hardly swing it, but when the limb landed, it did great execution, leaving its imprint on the head that it hit. Every time he landed on a gray head, the fat boy would yell. "'Save your wind! You will need it!' shouted Tad. "'They'll need theirs more! Whack! Whack! Whack!' It was a battle royal, but the boys were gaining, as Tad quickly saw. The pack was beginning to be fearful. These doughty fighters were working sad havoc among them. Scarcely a beast there did not bear marks of the conflict. A long winding blast from a hunting horn sounded, but neither boy heard it. Each was too busy with his own salvation to give heed to anything outside of the work at hand. Again the horn sounded, this time closer than before. A few moments later there were shouts and yells from the bush. Bill Lilly, followed by Ned Rector, Professor Zeppelin, and Walter Perkins, burst from the bush, riding like mad. Lilly swinging his bush knife, whooping and yelling, the boys to the rear of him, making fully as much noise. The party halted, gazing upon the scene before them with startled eyes. They were for the moment too astonished to move or do a thing. Neither Tad nor Stacy realized that help was at hand, and the party had an opportunity, in those few seconds, to see what Tad Butler and the much maligned fat boy could do when they got into action. The period of inactivity was brief. "'They've tackled the dogs,' roared the guide. "'At them, boys, and be careful that you don't kill the hounds.' Red lights danced before the eyes of Professor Zeppelin. Giving his horse the spur, he galloped into the thick of the fight with his heavy army pistol in hand. Its loud report furnished a new note in the sound of conflict. And the professor could shoot. Every time he pulled the trigger, a gray wolf's body got a bullet from his weapon. 
Lily was laying about him with his bush knife, as Tad had done before him. Ned Rector, too, plunged into the thick of the fight, losing his hat in the first charge, while Walter Perkins hung about the outside of the lines, letting drive at a beast that now and then came his way. Bullets and beasts were flying about rather too thickly to suit Walter. He felt safer on the outside, though he was doing his part. The battle waged fiercely for a few moments after the arrival of Lily and his party. Then, one by one, the attacking band began sneaking away into the cane, some to be stopped by bullets before they reached the cane break, others dropping from wounds already received. There was a lively scattering, with those of the hounds that were able to fight trying to follow their late assailants. Lily called them back, riding about and heading them off, shouting, commanding, aided by Tad Butler, who understood what the guide was trying to do. The more seriously injured of the hounds were lying about, licking their wounds. Some already lay dead, where they had made their last stand. "'Too bad! Too bad!' muttered Tad Butler, pausing from his strenuous work, breathing heavily as he gazed about. Lily, having rounded up the dogs, was counting the loss. Four hounds were dead, six others were wounded, one or two so badly that he knew they would die. But if the dogs had suffered, the attacking band had suffered much more heavily. A count showed twenty-five dead wolves, the biggest killing save one known in the canebrake. And of these twenty-five, Tad Butler and Stacy Brown had killed more than half, as nearly as could be estimated. Stacy, his clothes torn and his shins bleeding, had thrust both hands into his pockets, and was strolling unconcernedly about, with chin well elevated, as if nothing out of the ordinary had taken place. Lily galloped up to Tad and, leaning over, extended his hand. "'Good boy!' he said. "'Thank you,' answered Tad with a grin. "'Good boy, Master Stacy.' "'Oh, that's all right. It was a mere trifle. Not worth speaking about,' replied the fat boy airily. If it weren't for the poor dogs, I'd laugh, young man. Master Tad, tell me about it, said Lily. The wolves set up the dogs. Did you see them? No, sir, we heard them and hurried over here to see what was going on. Lily nodded to the others who had ridden up to listen. We tried to help them, but I guess some of the dogs were already past help even then. And saved the greater part of the pack, added the guide. "'But is it possible that wolves will attack dogs, Mr. Lilly?' asked Tad. "'You have had the evidence of your own eyes. They do it frequently down here. It is a wonder they didn't finish you into the bargain. What puzzles me is why so many of them gathered on this trail.' "'Does that mean anything special?' asked Rector. "'I don't know. It strikes me as queer.' Stacy stalked up pompously. Uh, "'Mr. Lilly, are there any other varieties of wild beasts down here that we haven't met up with. If so, I should like an opportunity to meet them face to face. I don't want to miss anything, you know. It strikes me forcibly that you haven't missed much, answered the guide, grinning. Hadn't we better look after the dogs? We can talk afterwards, suggested Butler. Yes, yes, agreed the guide. They hurried to the suffering hounds. Some had to be shot, but the most needed rest and their own treatment more than anything else. So it was decided not to try to move them until along towards night. A fire was built, and Lily cut up one of the dead wolves, giving each dog a liberal portion as his reward. He had some coffee which he boiled. The coffee put new life into the two tired boys, who stretched out on the ground for a rest while the others talked over their courage and grit. Tad lay with arms under his head, 
reflecting over the guide's peculiar remark about the pack of wolves. He wondered, too, why so large a pack had met and attacked the hounds. During the time of his rest, Lily had gone out on the trail of the escaped horses and found them a short distance from the camp. While the guide was absent, Tad got up and walked out of camp. "'Where are you going?' called the professor. "'For a little walk,' answered Butler. The boy was absent for nearly an hour. He returned with face wearing a puzzled expression, but he said nothing to his companions about the reason for it. Lily questioned Tad further about the attack of the wolves. "'They must have been coming towards the hounds, judging from the trail that I found beyond the camp,' said Tad. "'They were probably following the bear tracks,' suggested Lily. "'Perhaps,' answered Butler reflectively. "'Have you boys fixed up your wounds?' asked the guide. "'Yes, the professor dressed them. We were merely scratched a little. It doesn't amount to anything. But goodness, I never thought wolves could be so ugly nor so plucky,' wondered Tad. "'They would not be in smaller numbers. You know the old saying, in unity there is strength,' smiled Lily. "'I know it now,' answered Tad. "'I have had an object lesson, and so have you all. "'You know, too, that Stacy Brown is not a tenderfoot. "'I'd like to see anyone show more grit than did he "'while we were fighting the wolves. "'It was an experience that would have frightened most anyone.' "'Neither of you acted as if you were very badly scared,' chuckled Lily. "'We didn't have time to be,' laughed Tad. "'Fully as exciting as fighting wild boar in the Black Forest of Germany.' agreed the professor. "'The wild pigs of the canebrake are as near as I have ever come to hunting boars,' said Lily. "'Are they ugly?' asked Walter. "'Well, I reckon they are kind of fresh now and again,' answered the guide. "'The pigs are too small fry for me,' declared Stacy pompously. "'I want big game or no game at all.' "'Chunky is afraid only of the barred owls,' chuckled Tad. "'Owls and gators,' Stacy corrected. How about those bears? They seem to have given you fellows the slip. Foxy bears, agreed the guide, but never you mind. We will get them yet. That old she-bear we've been after must be a big one, and she is an ugly one, too. There will be a lively time when the hounds bay her out. I hope we are all in at the death. So do I, nodded Stacy. I shouldn't mind a hand-to-hand -hand conflict with an ugly old she-bear. I'd show her what sort of bear-killer I am, I would. I reckon it's time we were going, announced Lily. We have a long hike. The boys were willing, so the party packed up, and, after herding the dogs, started on their return journey to camp, whence they were to start on the second morning after that for the most exciting bear hunt in their experience. They reached their permanent camp shortly after dark. Ichabod had a warm supper ready for them, and, after having eaten, all gathered around the campfire to discuss the incidents of the eventful day. End of chapter 18